You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We continue. This is Zach Gelb Show, coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. Let's head out to the guest line right now. Welcome in a Super Bowl champion, made the Pro Bowl in 2016, played for both the Seahawks and the Las Vegas Raiders, and that, of course, is our pal, K.J. Wright. K.J., always appreciate the time. Thanks for it. How you been? Zach, always a pleasure, man. Been great. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing fantastic. Let me ask you about your Seahawks right out of the gate. They don't play until Monday night. They are 2-1 and one to open up the season. After three games, what has been your view on the Seattle Seahawks? Um, you don't usually you don't usually hear people say this, but I'm kind of glad that they lost their first game because what happened was it started with Coach Carroll. He admitted on on our on our radio show that I didn't have these guys ready, I didn't have them prepared. And I say this all the time: if Coach Carroll is on point, if Coach Carroll is being the fierce leader that he is, this team will be phenomenal. And I love what I saw from them when they went on on the road, played the Detroit Lions, and handled business last week. And they played the Carolina Panthers. And this offense is, they knew going into the season, we're going to have to lead this charge. The offense, we got to put this team on our back. And Geno has been spectacular. Obviously, Tyler doing what he does. And so this team, people aren't talking about them. They're not talking about my Seahawks enough. They should go 3-1 and one when they play the New York Giants after this and go into the bye week. And so I love what I'm seeing from this first quarter of the season. The letdown that we had against the Rams was unacceptable, but it was needed to really get this team on the same page and get this season off to a good start. I've been very bullish on the Seahawks uh, this offseason. And you hear the national kind of conversation, though, for most people is, uh, was one year, was last year a one-hit wonder with Geno Smith? You just said you were very confident pretty much in the quarterback of Geno Smith. I'm just wondering, why is that? Because I was with Geno Smith when I was in Seattle, and I saw him as a backup. I went against him several times when he was a scout team quarterback. I faced him in training camp when we had two-minute drill. And I'm like, this guy's mechanic is great. This guy has a beautiful arm. And this guy can play some really good football. We knew that, obviously, he started in New York. That was a disaster. Backed up Phillip Rivers. And he just took full advantage of his opportunity when the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson. And so, Geno's a really good quarterback. His leadership, I don't know if you saw, but when it went up to Jackson Smith and Jigba saying, hey, I need you. You know, we got to get this thing turned around. That's on me. That's not on you. The way that he rallies the troops, the way he's not afraid to speak, in front of the team, the guy's, first of all, a good guy, a good teammate. When he steps on the football field, he handles business. If you were part of the Seahawks organization still and you were getting ready to go up against the Giants uh, in the swamps of Jersey at MetLife Stadium on Monday night, what would be your view of the Giants quarterback and Daniel Jones? I just did a film breakdown on, Dan- on Daniel Jones on my podcast, KJ All Day, and I'm telling you, I know he has two touchdowns and four interceptions. I know he's in the bottom of the league when it comes to passing yards. But the guy is pretty decent. I'm not sleeping on Daniel Jones at all. First and foremost, with the way he's able to run the ball, he gets back there, scrambles. The dude looks like a big tight end running the football. And his best attribute is his play-action game, in particular, out of the shotgun. 
when he has his play action out of the shotgun, he finds Darren Waller, he finds those receivers down the field, that's when he's at his best. And so Brian Dayball knows that. He watched the film on him as well. He practices with him every day. And so he can be explosive, but at times he does do some stuff like, what are you doing? What were you thinking? Let's not do that again. But when he's on, he, he looks pretty good. Currently, K.J. Wright is the host of his very own podcast, K.J. All Day. You could listen and watch on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and more. You could also hear K.J. Wright on Seattle's ESPN 610 AM, the K.J. Wright Show. K.J. Wright here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Let's get to the game tonight, Lions and Packers. I think there's a lot of intrigue for this uh, showdown between these two NFC North teams. We're still trying to figure out how legit the Lions are, and the Packers Mm -hmm. have surprised people through the first three games of the season. The Lions got to come on with it now. Hey, you had all this hype, all this build-up. You know, you're going to win this division. You're going to handle your business. Tonight, it has got to get done. And um, watching the watching the Lions offense, uh, Jameer Gibbs, I mean, you took this guy high. You drafted him, you know, early, you know, number 12 overall pick. Get this guy going even more. I need this guy to get more touches out of the backfield, more perimeter design specialty runs, because when he does have the football in his hands, He's one of the most explosive guys in the NFL. And so he's a phenomenal talent. Jared Goff, I expect him to handle business. If I had to pick a team, where is it? Is it in Green Bay? Yeah, it's in Green Bay. Oh, that's hard. That's hard. Some way, somehow, Detroit Lions. I got the Detroit Lions pulling off. It's going to be a nail-biter, but I'm I'm a big fan of the Lions. When you got to uh, Seattle, uh, you got there in, in 2011. That was your first year with the Seattle Seahawks. They weren't the way that we know of the Seahawks, right, with what you guys ended up doing uh, when you mm-hmm. talk about where the Lions are trying to get through and you were in that building process and you guys were 7-9, the next year 11-5, and five, and the year after that you win the Super Bowl, when you're trying to become that team, what's the biggest advice that you could give to the Lions who are in that spot right now where everyone's hyping them up but we still are a little skeptical yeah. if they could get the job done? I know. First and foremost, there's going to be so much, you know, there's going to be so much media attention around you saying, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that. What we did really, really well was we ignored the noise and we just focused on ourselves. We went to, when it came to practice, we handled our business. When it came to game time, we handled our business. And I got to give John Snyder and Coach Carroll a lot of credit, the people that they brought in. Everyone forgets about that trade that they made for Marshawn Lynch, getting them from Buffalo. Everybody forgets that Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. Cam Chancellor was also a fifth round pick. And so the way that they continue to build the team, through the draft and a little bit in free agency, getting a Michael Bennett or Cliff Averill, the management did a phenomenal job in building that team. And so it starts at the at the top and it trickles down. And so the way that they built that culture, Coach Carroll coming from USC to the Seattle Seahawks, brought that culture here. I love what I see from Dan Campbell in building that culture, having sold out stadiums. That's what it's going to take to really get this thing turned around. Everyone has to be bought in. You were in the same draft class as Richard Sherman. You were a fourth-round pick. He was a fifth-round pick. You both being young guys trying to make it and exceed the expectations from where you were drafted. When did you know that Richard Sherman was going to be a great player in this league? I mean, the first day I met this dude, he wouldn't stop talking. I mean, <laughs> you were like, this hey, guy won't up? shut up. He's a pain in the ass, <laughs> right? <laughs> this man would not stop talking. And and I compare Sherman. I'm I'm, I know it's kind of bold, but I compare him to a Muhammad Ali in the sense wow. of how. No, let, hear me out. Let me finish. Let me finish. In the, in the sense of he was someone that said, I'm great. I'm this, I'm that before he really was. Right? Um, I remember the first week he was starting against the Cincinnati Bengals, it was Andy Dalton. Versus A.J. Green, he's like, I'm going to pick this dude off. I'm going to pick it, and I'm going to shut A.J. Green down. 
he hadn't even started a game. This was like week six, week seven of the season. And he went out there and threw a fade ball to his side. And lo and behold, number 25 gets his first interception. And after that, he had like 45, 50 more. And so confidence has never been an issue with Richard Sherman. He came on the scene confident as all get out and put together a Hall of Fame career. Unbelievable story. KJ Wright here with us on the Zach Gelb Show. Uh, big matchup this weekend inside the AFC East. The Dolphins are going to Buffalo to, to square off against the Bills. Who, who has more pressure on them in this one? Do you think it's Miami or do you think it's Buffalo? If you put up 70 points, the expectations is, is 70 points. <laughs> I mean, what they did last week was unheard of since, I believe, the 1960s or 70s. And, you know, people are really looking at this offense and really looking at Tua like, okay, you guys made some noise. Let's see if you can put up 50 this week or do 40 this week. And so they, they opened up Pandora's box, and I just love what I see from Tua. If the season ended today, he's the MVP of the league. And um, the way that he had that interaction with Ryan Clark earlier in the season, being called overweight, people talking about that he doesn't have the big-time arm as a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen. He, can't, he don't know what to do with a Tyreek Hill. He's the guy that went out there, shut out the noise, and handled his business. And so Mike McDaniels is the future. He's the next Kyle Shanahan, who's one of the best play callers I've ever faced. And so the way they get creative in the red zone, the way that he maximizes his run game and all these weapons, this team is really fun to watch. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the Shanahan comparison um, because I called the Dolphins before the year like 49ers light because they look like they are where the 49ers were a few years ago, and, and they're only mm-hmm. getting started with Miami as long as the quarterback can stay healthy. As long as the quarterback can stay healthy, guy willing, this team is going to be in the playoffs, going to compete to win this division. And who knows? I mean, they may not win the Super Bowl this year, but keep the core together. That's what we did in Seattle. When we, when we won, we had that long stretch of five, six years. We kept the core together. We just continued to add pieces. And so the management has got to be on point. Build this, continue to build this team around Tua. Add some weapons on the defensive side of the football. They don't even have Jalen Ramsey yet. Everyone forgot about him. Hopefully he can come back in December when they make this playoff push. And so I like this Miami Dolphins football team, and we'll see if they can compete and win this AFC East. And you know the biggest thing, if the Dolphins are ever in a Super Bowl, run the ball if you're at the one-yard line because then you won't have to break up the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, man, you brought that up. I can't believe you did that. Well, that's why that team didn't win another Super Bowl. Like that, that greatness of that team ended that night in Glendale, Arizona. It ended, and um, we no longer trusted each other. We were second-guessing people up top, and I get the analytics, whatever, you know, one time out, who cares? If you run the ball every single every single time, we probably come back that next year with a vengeance, mad, ready to get another Super Bowl, but instead it was like a dark, gray, rainy cloud over that building that we had here in Seattle, and it stayed there for about three to four years. Yeah, I I know you could say analytics, and I say this as a Patriot fan, it made no sense whatsoever. There's no numbers in the world where I could say, okay, my eyes and my gut tell me run the football there. I don't care what the numbers say. Like, that's a Brandon Staley type of answer there, KJ, right? You know that. And, and what makes what doesn't make any more sense is how the heck did Malcolm jump it run through a guy? <laughs> Literally ran through the guy's back and got an interception. Who does that? That should be an incomplete pass. We should have ran it the next play and got. I've been back to that Super Bowl champ. <laughs> well, thankfully but now you I'm didn't. just complaining about my one that I have. <laughs> um, let me ask you about your old quarterback, uh, Russell Wilson. Last year, we all know was a disaster for the Broncos. This year, it somehow got even worse. How do you view Russell Wilson uh, right now uh, in the NFL and what his career is going to be moving forward? Man, let me tell you this. I'll start with Sean Payton. 
I'm not starting with Russell Wilson. I start with Sean Payton and the leadership and calling out his quarterback, telling him stop kissing babies, saying Nathaniel Hackett put together the worst coaching display he's ever seen in his life, and this dude got beat by 50 points. And so it starts with that dude, and then you go to Russell Wilson, and I look at it, the same type of offense. What Nathaniel Hackett did, it's similar to what Russell Wilson is going through. He's in a system that he's not familiar with. He's in a system that's not maximizing his talent. Every time I see Russell Wilson make a play, he drops back, he scrambles so he can see. He can't see in that window behind the quarterback. He has the vision, and he makes dimes like he's done his whole career in Seattle. And so if he wants to maximize Russell Wilson, get this dude outside the pocket so he can get some, some vision to get the ball to Sutton, Sutton and on Jerry Judy. And so it starts with him, and I don't like what Sean Payton has done from a, from a leadership standpoint. Is Sean overrated to you as a head coach? I mean – what, okay, he's won one Super Bowl, which is, you know, it's not easy to do. A lot of coaches wish they had that one Super Bowl. Facing him throughout my NFL career, I personally dominated him. I mean, I was part of the Legion of Boom, but, you know, we dominate him every time we, we faced him. And um, he's good. He's a great play caller. I just I just look at the leadership. And I know he's from the Bill Parcells tree. But, my God, this isn't the 1990s. You can't just say whatever you want to say, when you want to say it, and how you want to say it. you got to find a way to – Keep things in-house, build up your players, build up your teammates. I know Russell Wilson's personality. He doesn't handle that stuff very well. He, he's behind the doors, you know, kind of, you know, judge him a little bit to get the best out of him. And so I'm not going to say he's overrated, but um, what I see what he's doing with this football team, I'm questioning the effort that they displayed last week, and I was really maximizing this offense, in particular with number three. Oh, they quit last week. Like, I don't care who oh, you are. They, you they you can't allow 70 points in a game. I, I've never seen that. Go watch the tape. Dudes are jogging. Dudes are loafing. Dudes aren't scrapping, fighting, clawing to try to stop that bleeding. Oh, it was on display. And what he should do come that Monday morning is watch every single play in their team meeting room. We've got to watch every single play as a unit. We're going to call out what we see. That's leadership and that's coaching. And so I don't know if he did it or not, but if I was a coach, that's what we're doing. Last thing I'll ask you, when we go back to Russell Wilson, if you would ask me before he got to Denver if he would have been a Hall of Famer, I would say yes. If this continues, I think he's going to play himself out of the Hall of Fame. How about yourself? <sighs> if, it, if let's say if it continues, the season ends today. I don't think he gets in. Um, Ten years, phenomenal in Seattle. Got you a Super Bowl. If he does get in, it's going to be very, very late. But the the way his image has just slipped upside down. This dude was the golden boy here in Seattle. This guy could do no wrong. When I see how the media sees him, when I see how he's a laughing stock when it comes to the fan base, it's, it's really sad to see. And so hopefully he does get this thing turned around. I know he's still a good quarterback, but 0-3, um, getting 20 points, continue to get called out in the media, it's just not pretty for us. I know he's feeling the pressure right now. K.J. Wright, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much once again. Uh, K.J. Wright is the host of his very own podcast, K.J. All Day. You can listen to it and watch it on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and more. You could also hear K.J. Wright on Seattle's ESPN 710 AM on the K.J. Wright Show. Always appreciate the perspective, K.J. Let's do it again real soon. Yes, sir. Enjoy it. Thank you, Zach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to The Zach Gelb Show. It is The Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. In the aftermath of the Damian Lillard trade to the Milwaukee Bucks, it got me thinking. So the Bucks are clearly the favorites now in the Eastern Conference. But before that, it was really three teams with Milwaukee, Miami, and the Boston Celtics and order them up and rank them up however you want, one, two, and three. But now with Dame going to join forces with Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think it's clear cut that the Bucks are one, the Celtics are two, and then the Miami Heat are three in the Eastern Conference. Who's the one team that we didn't talk about there in the East? It's the Sixers. And if I'm Joel Embiid, where you're trying to figure out how you can get closer to getting to an NBA championship to try to go win an NBA championship, I know that there is some blame that needs to go on the shoulders for Joel Embiid coming up small in the postseason, but the Sixers continuously fail to get him the right running mate. Whether it was Ben Simmons, whether it was uh, Markel Fultz, or James Harden, and now Harden no longer wants to be there and he can't stand his former best friend, in Daryl Morey, and the guy that you got in Jimmy Butler goes on to stardom once he leaves the organization and joins the Miami Heat. And if I'm Joel Embiid right now, I'm saying I can't take this anymore because you knew it was going to be an uphill battle to be able to be on the same level as the Bucks, Heat, and Celtics. And this offseason, I know Kristaps Verzingis is dealing with a bunch of injuries, but he goes to Boston, makes them better. And they're already a better team even if they don't have Kristaps Verzingis in the Sixers. Then the Miami Heat, we've seen them last year a blimp into the postseason, almost go out in the play-in tournament, in the second play-in tournament game, where they're down uh, by a few points late in the game, and you know Miami got to the NBA Finals a year ago, and then you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, who already won a championship. In the last two years, their season got impacted by injuries, and now they add 
another top 10, top 15 player in the sport in Damian Lillard. If I'm Joel Embiid, I'm looking around today saying, the Sixers are never winning a championship. And I would look at my situation. He's a player option in 2026, 2027. I don't think it's going to happen right now. But I said this in the offseason, and I'll say it again. That Joel Embiid, by the end of this year, is going to request a trade from the Philadelphia 76ers. And I can't fault him whatsoever if he elects to do that. But if your goal is to win, you only maybe have, what, three more prime years left with how much wear and tear is on your body and how many injuries you have accumulated through your young career? I would not wait any longer once this season comes to a close, and we haven't even started the season yet, if I was Joel Embiid. So that was something, Hickey, that I wanted to circle back to in the aftermath of what's like point B, C, and D in the whole uh, aftermath of Damian Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks. And if you're the Sixers, I don't think that's the worst thing to happen to your franchise. Like, you look at it right now, I thought the only way they could have maybe gotten themselves unstuck from where they are in the middle, where they're not good enough to win a championship, they're nowhere near right bad enough to tank, is getting a guy like Damian Lillard. And obviously that trade did not go down. Now he's in Milwaukee. Who's out there for you to pair with Embiid where you can realistically get and then compete for a championship with? And that's the other thing, too. We always thought it was impossible. Like, everyone threw out the Sixers. People threw out the Bucks of places that Damian Lillard should be open to playing to. But no one thought he was actually to get traded to either one of those places because in the era of player empowerment, what the player wants is usually 9.9 times out of 10 what the player gets. And that even further adds the insult to injury here if I'm Joel Embiid, where you probably thought there was never really a chance you were going to get Dame and then another team that we thought there's really no chance was going to get Dame actually goes and gets Damian Lillard. So that, to me, even makes it more infuriating. If I'm Joel Embiid, it would make me even more inclined to say that I want out. Absolutely. And again, that's why I say if you're the Sixers, if he, at the end of this upcoming season, says, you know what, I can't win here. I want to go to a different team and start over. If you're Philly, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. You and get... you would also get a haul. Right, exactly right. And you can restart and hope this time... You hit your draft picks and multiple draft picks. Like they hit with they hit with Embiid. Their problem was they didn't really hit with anybody else. And whether it's packaging those draft picks for someone else or building around Tyrese Maxey, you hope that you can get mm-hmm. not this this is a process, but you hope you get a quote unquote this process will say right compared to the first time about a decade ago. You know it's crazy though, they're back into the process mode if they do trade Joel Embiid. Because if you trade Joel Embiid, you that was the only really positive part of the process that result. And I, you know, I was back and forth on the process. There were some days I would wake up and I was like, I don't like it. And then I started to come around on it, but I just never thought Sam Hinkie was going to go off of that point of, okay, we're trying to be losers to then, okay, we're trying to go contend. And I thought there was a disconnect there where uh, Sam took too long to try to say, okay, now we're ready to make our ascension from perennial losers to a team that's going to get ready to be perennial winners. And last few years, they've consistently been a playoff team. But if they would have just hit one other of those draft picks right, from all those top picks, Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor, Michael Carter-Williams, who did win a rookie of the year, might I add, and then Ben Simmons and Mark Helfo. It is crazy. Crazy. That they couldn't ever get the other guy there to compliment Joel Embiid. And the one guy that you brought in via trade was Jimmy Butler. I know it's right revisionist history because Butler was good in Philadelphia. 
he wasn't a top 10 player like the way that we view him now in Miami. But that guy walks out the door, and it was really because the organization kept on coddling Ben Simmons. I know that he said, oh, they paid Tobias Harris over me. That wasn't it. It was because Brett Brown and Ben Simmons, right, that, that whole thing. And it was mainly the organization. They were all afraid to just be realistic until Doc Rivers got there and be honest with Ben Simmons and say that they needed more from Ben Simmons. And they ended up choosing Ben, which at the time I can't crush them for doing that where we thought the ceiling of Ben Simmons was going to be. But then to see that Jimmy Butler turns out to be that player and Embiid and Butler were really close, it's one of those things where you just say, even with all those missing of the draft picks, if they just would have had the foresight or if they could go back and do it and keep Jimmy Butler, uh, that Sixers team gets to a championship. You know, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't hit that shot, I'm not saying they're a lock to get to the finals that year. Because you still have to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm pretty sure it was Raptors Bucks in the conference finals. Yeah, because Milwaukee had the lead and they blew it. Um, but that one moment really did put an end to the championship window of the Sixers. Because everything that followed after that, you knew Ben Ben ended up being a disaster and never got on the court and ended up hating Embiid and Doc Rivers. And then you bring in James Harden. We all knew that, sure, James Harden made the Sixers better, but we never looked at the Sixers as a team that was going to end up winning a championship with James Harden because if you need James Harden to be clutch, there's a fundamental flaw in that in terms of James Harden isn't a clutch player. And it's kind of weird, but it's actually justice, I guess, if it makes any sense that now James Harden is is going after Daryl Morey because Daryl knew James Harden better than anybody, and he had this blind loyalty to James Harden. And it kind of, I don't think just the right word, but it served Daryl Morey right that now Harden has turned on him because he should have never went back to the well of James Harden. Agreed. And they're right. They're chasing the ghost. They're trying to win a championship with Embiid. And now they're just really grasping at straws and thinking that, James Harden can be a true championship number two. Like I said, we've seen it for years on end. Mm-hmm. They still don't believe it. So now, again, if you're Philly, the good news is if Embiid, when really, right, feels like inevitable Embiid leaves, at least you get a head start with the haul you'll get back of. It's not tear it all down yeah. and, you know, start from zero. You have Tyrese Max. You're going to have a, a ton player. of draft picks. Like, you at least are in a f- way better starting spot than you were when the process first started. So let me ask you this. Do you think the Sixers owed it to Joel Embiid? to go get Damian Lillard? You would say yes, correct? Yes. Okay, so then let me give you what the trade would have been, just the one player that would have moved. Because if you really look back at it, you still get the Suns in the deal. DeAndre Ayton goes to the Portland Trailblazers. But you look at what the, I guess, big piece was, and Drew Holiday's a good player. But you got Drew Holiday going to Portland, and now Portland will trade Drew Holiday and get something back for him. I don't know what they're going to get in return. But if you were the Sixers, you say that they owed it to Embiid to go get Damian Lillard. Does that mean they should have traded Tyrese Maxey and whatever else to go get Damian Lillard? Yes, I would and, have done it. And how would you have viewed this? If the Sixers got Damian Lillard with Joel Embiid, what, what would your expectations be for the Sixers for this upcoming season? If I just give you that, because Joel Embiid, right, it's kind of a little bit about like Tua. It's always if Joel Embiid is healthy. The way that we talk about Tua, if Tua Tungavailoa is healthy, if Joel Embiid is healthy, what do you think the Sixers would have accomplished this year, Damian Lillard with Joel Embiid? I think bare minimum would have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. 
I think I that's think, fair. I think they definitely would have been and definitely would have got further than they've gotten before. It, it would have also caught up the Sixers with the Celtics, Bucks, and Heat. We're sure the Heat have been to two finals. The Bucks have won a championship, but the Celtics have been to a final with this core. But you look at the Celtics, it's like, okay, you really trust Jason Tatum, but can Jalen Brown go left? And if Jason Tatum isn't at his best, can Jalen Brown go win? We saw that in game seven. The answer was no, and he still got paid a ridiculous amount of money. You look at the Miami Heat, it's like, yeah, Bam is really good. You have Jimmy Butler, um, but Jimmy Butler doesn't make, you know, they need another shot maker at the end of the game. And you look at the Bucs, Giannis Antetokounmpo is is one of the best players in the league, but is Chris Middleton going to be healthy? You would then get thrown in that conversation where you have a dominant one-two punch, but you're still thrown with the other three teams' questions when you look at the the one-two punch. Where Dame is the finisher, but it would always be can and beat who, Played at MVP level and won the MVP last year. Can he stay healthy? And we've seen him, to his credit, play well even when he's not 100%, right? With a knee injury, with a with a facial fracture. Like, he has played yeah. well. With that black mask that he right. wore. When he's not 100%, his problem is he's not clutch. And you can't rely on him to win you a game late. You now solve that problem by bringing in Dame. For the first time in the Embiid era, would have viewed them as a legitimate contender. Yeah. They would have been legit, right? Like, And it stinks because you have to get rid of Maxi, but... No one right now is talking about just Embiid with Maxi. We're all talking about how to break up the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6ers, 10, 9, 8, 76ers. So clap your hands, everybody. Uh, you should have found a way to go get uh, Dame Dalaton. Now, Bucks, Heat, and Celtics this year. What, if you had to take a guess today, what's your Easter Conference Finals? I will go Bucks, Celtics. Yeah, I would say so as well. And that would be a heck of an Easter Conference Finals. May have to make my way out to Milwaukee for that one at five serve four. That would be a lot of fun. Yo. You and Bart, maybe front row. Yeah, getting go. rowdy. I, I don't think for the Easter Conference Finals, even though you know I'm Milwaukee's favorite son. I I don't think I'd be sitting front row for the Easter Conference Finals. Maybe like 13, 14, 15 rows back. Maybe like bench. right behind the benches. Yeah. So you can get a little sweat from Giannis coming off the court, like dripping on you. Just as long as I uh, make a stop for lunch at fourth base, and then. Maybe like the next day for dinner, I get to go see my guy Omar at uh, Carnivore. Yeah, I think I'd be uh, think I'd be good. Think I'd be uh, more than good. You know, you can even set me upper deck there. I'm not picky. Man of the people right here. Man in Milwaukee. Upper deck Gelb. I- I'm not like you. I'm not hicky picky. Right? I'm, I'm just Gelb. I'm just here. Hey, I'm not picky when it comes to seats. Put me in the building. That's all I ask. I know, but we got to be careful where we put you. Because you scream at all these games and... Next thing you know, you're screaming in someone's ear and you're upsetting them, and then it's a bad reflection of the show. Well, unless the NBA decides to put the GMs in like the second to last row, oh. like they do with Bob Myers <laughs> yeah. in Sacramento with the cowbells. Yeah, we you know we might have a problem if that's the case where a second to last row there's Pat Riley sitting next to me. Otherwise, I don't think I'm too worried. You know about what I don't get about that? How is he not in a luxury box? I know that right. Those executives a lot of times are like ten rows right behind the bench, but the owner of uh, the Warriors has to have a luxury box there. You know, we didn't see Joe Lacob. I don't think we saw him in the stands there. I'm assuming he was there. You don't let, you don't say, hey, Bob, let, let me uh, get you in the luxury box. You have to deal with those Sacramento fans with the cowbells. I've never seen an executive sitting amongst the fans, I think, ever in my no, life. No, no, you're wrong on that. You're, exe- a lot of executives, they do sit in the stands. Like, Next but- to fans? Well, you're talking about a road environment or home yes, environment? Yes, road environment. Okay. Road environment. That I do not know, but I know for sure 
uh, Leon Rose um, at Madison Square Garden in the Knicks play, he his seat is always in the stands. It's like ten rows behind the uh, behind the Knicks bench. So he's in the stands. Only right? time Knicks fans see him. Hey, that's my guy Leon. It's a, someone I've known no, for no a long time. Don't don't be taking any shots at Leon Rose. Don't be taking any shots at Leon Rose. It is the Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. At least he's consistent. He doesn't talk when they win. He doesn't talk when they lose. So, at least he's consistent there for you, Hickey. It'd be one thing if he's only talking when they're winning. He doesn't talk when they win. I think he does, like, one press conference a year, maybe. Or one media availability a year, and it's with, like, Mike Breen or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say, the questions (laughs) that get asked are, uh, let's say, pre-planned already and approved. Sorry, Uncle Leon. I could only uh, carry the water for you so far. Got to have some journalistic integrity here because I'm a a big J journalist guy. You know me. When you you hear Zach Gill's voice on the radio, you go, oh, that's a journalist. Actually, I do not believe... Referring to myself as a journalist, I refer to myself as a talk show host. And that, in theory, it's some, but that's just the way that I've always gone about it. Anyway, Zach Gelb Show, CBS Sports Radio. We will take a break. When we come on back, we'll update you on some of the biggest stories in the world of sports with some audio. We will get to a news brief. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to The Zach Gelb Show. Time for your daily news brief. We get you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. News brief time. Zach Gelb here with you on CBS Sports Radio. But first, stream the NFL on Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL Live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Uh, right now, between the Lions and Packers, it is 14 to 3. Uh, the Packers got on the board uh, first with a field goal. Then Amara St. Brown caught a 24-yard touchdown uh, from Jared Goff. And David Montgomery just had a three-yard rush to make it 14-3 to in favor of the Lions. So a strong start for Detroit. And we'll see if they keep it up 
throughout the uh, game, especially with the last two weeks. Uh, the Packers had the big lead, then they lost, and then last week they were down big, and then they came back and won in that fourth quarter. Okay, news brief starts with Robert Sala. He discusses what Trevor Simeon brings to the JTS, Jets, Jets, Jets. Obviously got a lot of games under his belt. He's a quick learner, quick study from my understanding. And, um, you know, so just giving him and an, an the uh, ability to come on the practice squad and help us out was uh, uh, the best decision for us. Robert Solomon had the toughest job in the NFL. He has to talk up crap. He has to talk up Zach Wilson, and then after you have to talk up Zach Wilson, you have to go talk up Trevor Simeon Hickey. That sucks. I guess at least the names change, so it's like a little, quote-unquote, we'll say fresher, if at least it's not Zach Wilson questions. Now it's, oh, Trevor Simeon. You know, he once was on the Broncos. I think he's on the Super Bowl-winning Broncos, so he brings that championship pedigree with him. Let me just throw out a question to you. The Jets have basically done nothing at the quarterback position since losing Aaron Rodgers, right? You keep on hyping up Zach Wilson. He stinks. Right. And now you bring in Trevor Simeon. And Tim Boyle's there. Stinks. Yeah, he's so irrelevant. His name just gets mentioned, but he's never going to see the field and, and actually play. How much is it them not actually bringing in like a Carson Wentz who stinks, but he's better than what they have? Or maybe calling up Tennessee, seeing if Tannehill's available. Maybe further pursuing Kirk Cousins if he becomes available. How much is it maybe Joe Douglas not wanting to upset Aaron Rodgers? And what I mean by that is Aaron Rodgers gets to decide pretty much the future of everything with the Jets. So if Robert Sala or Joe Douglas does something that Aaron Rodgers doesn't like, like I do believe Joe Douglas and Sala will be back next year, but... If Rodgers doesn't want either one of them back, Woody Johnson's going to listen to Aaron Rodgers when he makes his return. And I do believe there's a part of Rodgers that wants to be the hero, wants to be the guy next year that's going to save the day. And I think Rodgers genuinely does like Zach Wilson. And I wonder why they haven't made a big move is maybe in fear of of potentially Rodgers being unhappy with the general manager or the coach of of the New York Jets. I mean, in terms of the fear, it should be at 0% because the options we're talking about are not better than Aaron Rodgers and or are free agents after the Like Kirk Cousins, right? He's a free agent at the end of the year. It's not like, oh, you're bringing Kirk and he has a four-year deal and there's a chance he could, if he plays well, keep the job and supplant Aaron Rodgers. Ryan Tannehill stinks. So it's not like whoever you're bringing in is going to now all of a sudden usurp Aaron Rodgers and going to throw Rodgers to the side of the road. Yeah, because the only reason why I bring that up is because, like, right now, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're sitting there, you're rehabbing, and it's like, up oh, the Jets stink, can't wait to get Rodgers back. If they bring in Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins, they bring Kirk Cousins, is actually excitement. But they even bring in Ryan Tannehill with how bad it is right now, there is some excitement there. Even with Ryan, though Ryan Tannehill stinks, there would be excitement if the Jets brought in Ryan Tannehill. Now, with what I just said, let me ask you this question. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is rooting for the Jets to succeed? Like, honestly, deep down. I don't think he cares. I think Aaron Rodgers is like, we know the season is now irrelevant. I think he wants to see guys like Sauce Gardner play well, Garrett Wilson play well, uh, Alan Lazard play well, Quentin Williams play well. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting all that upset if the the Jets keep on losing. Because then he'll come back next year, he'll win comeback player of the year, and probably lead the Jets to the playoffs, if we're being honest. And yeah. then he's the savior. Then he's the guy. I'm with you. I don't like if, if they're losing, I don't think he's losing sleep over it. Yeah. To say the least. Probably honestly excites him. Because now it only builds a story Ayahuasca. more for next year. Yeah. Uh, let's hear Zach Wilson. He was asked if Joe Namath's criticism bothered him. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, obviously Joe is an unbelievable player, but this locker room is very tight-knit, and we're working to get better. I'm working to get better. I know I need to improve, and I promise I'm doing everything I can to keep trying to get better. And so um, the focus is just to rely, uh, rely on each other in this locker room and lean on each other because that's all we got at the end of the day, and we're going to do everything we can to keep improving. Smart answer there by Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson a year ago says, bleep Joe Namath. Who cares what that old guy has to say? Zach Wilson's in no position to go after Joe Namath there. Just like Robert Sala's in no position yesterday to trash Joe Namath. At least he understands that. Joe Burrow says he used, his, uh, used some advice from Aaron Rodgers on how to deal with the calf injury. Yeah, we, we connected last week. Kind of wanted to, He's dealt with calf issues his whole career and you know, wanted to use him as a resource for that and you know, give his thoughts what he might have done. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, take into account what he has to say. He's been through it, done that, um, and he, he was great about it. So I'm going to continue to use that as a resource. Um, he's a great guy. And so whenever you have a guy like that that's willing to help, you're going to use it. Let's go to Roquan Smith. He says he can't wait to beat the Browns in front of their families. You go in there as the, as the enemy to go take over, and that's our plan uh, to actually go take over. I think they call it the dog pound. I consider myself a dog, so I'm right at <laughs> home in that place. So I'm excited to get back in there. And I know they're a physical football team, but so are we. You're considered the bad guy because you're going into essentially another man's house and you're trying to take over, like his wife, kids, everyone there to watch them. So you we going over to beat their tails in front of their wife and kids. So when you think about it from that perspective, like any man's going to you know, fight to the death from that point. I know if that's me in that case, I know I would. So uh, I think about it from that standpoint, and I'm just going in, you know, just like I prepare for any other game. Play to the whistle, play physical, and hit anything that moves. So I've heard, right, players say we can't wait to send the, the home fans back to their houses upset. I don't think I've ever heard a player call out the other players' families. Like, Roquan Smith, if he ever goes on the road, I never want to hear him bitching if, like, his family gets treated a little bit poorly. Can't see Miles Garrett's wife go home upset. That's what I'm playing for on Sunday. Not for myself. To make sure his three-year-old son is crying at 4 o'clock on Sunday. That's what I want. So I haven't heard this audio, but is this right that Bill Belichick was asked to compare Micah Parsons to, to Lawrence Taylor? Is that correct? Not asked directly. He said, you know, Micah Parsons, how big of a challenge is it to face and scheme against a guy of his talent? So I, I have not heard this, but I'm going to try to give you the answer that Belichick gives knowing the way that I think I know Belichick. You know, I coached uh, the greatest defensive player ever in uh, Lawrence Taylor, and, and uh, no one uh, will ever be Lawrence Taylor, but Micah Parsons does things um, that are similar to what uh, LT uh, Lawrence did with us uh, when I was uh, coaching uh, with him when he was uh, playing for us with the New York Giants. But, uh, yeah, he's an incredible player, Micah, and uh, we have our hands full on uh, on Sunday. What do we got? Like every great player, he's pretty good at everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a lot of power. He's very fast. He's long. He's very athletic. So he's a hard guy to cut. He's a hard guy to knock off the ball. Um, you know, and, and he plays all over, as you said. You know, so finding him, that's number one. Where is he? He could be inside. He could be outside. He could be on either edge. Um, and he's he's a big physical player that's very athletic and quick. Um, you know, uh, along the lines of a Taylor, you know, that kind of wow. that kind of athlete. So that was so you are right there. Bill brought up Lawrence. All right, look at that. 
Now, Nick Saban, I, he probably uh, said he was speaking to his team, I, when talking about the way that Dan Lanning, I, was talking to his Oregon team before the game. Let's hear Nick Saban defend Dan Lanning's pregame speech. Oh, this wasn't on his radio show? This wasn't on uh, the Pee Wee show in Alabama? This is on the Pat McAfee show. I know the media wants to have access to all these things because it makes it interesting for the fans, and I appreciate that, and I understand that. But there's still this sacred time where you should be able to talk to your team and say things to your team to motivate your team that maybe they're not disrespectful about the other. But I understand what Dan Lanning was trying to say, and it was probably good for his team to hear in some ways, but it probably wasn't good for everybody else to hear. I still don't get why everyone or there are a decent amount of people that are going after Dan Lanning. What did he say? He said the other team is is playing for clicks. So what? Like, Saban's right. He's talking to his team. He's trying to fire up his team. And clearly he did that. They destroyed Oregon. Uh, they destroyed uh, Colorado. Uh, Oregon did over the weekend. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 